0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Either walk in the flesh or walk
1: in the spirit. It's one or the other, each and every day. That's why you've got to start your day with the word. Because it it sets the direction of your mind and your spirit for the rest of the day. Have you noticed that if you don't do it, you're playing catch up the rest of the day, trying to catch up to the Lord? If you run out the door, having watched a little bit of Good Morning America, which is the worst thing you could do. Try Good Morning Jesus and forget Good Morning America.
0: What's your daily routine? In your walk with Jesus, do you intentionally seek Him out at the start of every day? Today, Pastor Jeff reminds you that if you wanna remain in your closeness with Christ, you need to turn to Him before anything else. The more time you spend in the wisdom of the world, the less time you spend storing up treasures in heaven. Leave the lies of this world behind and invest in the only thing that will liberate you from your pain. That's Jesus. Let His perfect love wash you white as snow. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians, chapter five, as he begins his message, The Flesh and the
1: Spirit. Last time we looked at the two natures inside of each Christian. We're not schizophrenic, but we do have two natures inside of us. They are the flesh, which is the fallen nature we inherited through great, 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 great granddaddy Adam. Also called the old man. And then there is inside of us also who are saved, not in everybody, but those who have been saved, the new man. Thank God for the new man which came as a result of the entry of the Holy Spirit into our spirit at the very moment we were saved. The minute you said, Jesus, I believe, forgive me my sin, in came the Holy Spirit. And he touched our formerly dead spirit man and we were lifed, quickened, brought to life spiritually for the first time in our life. Hence, you must be born again or you will never see the kingdom of God. It's a fact. That's why Buddha can't save you. Muhammad can't save you. Krishna can't save you. You name the world religion and its leader, they can't save you. Only one can. Because only one, Jesus Christ, can give you the new birth. Now, uh, the moment we were saved, the spirit of God came to live inside of us. Now, watch this. These two natures are at war with each other. How many of you felt that today? How many felt it on the way here? When you hit that... Yeah. As Paul wrote in Galatians, watch this, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. All right. That means that the spirit of God inside of you is desiring things the flesh doesn't desire. And the flesh man inside of you, that old man is desiring things that the spirit doesn't desire for you. So they're at war with each other, so that you can't do everything you want to go do. You can only do and should only do what the Spirit of God wants you to do. Now, every child of God has a daily choice. This is is Christianity 101. To walk in the flesh or to walk in the Spirit. It's a daily, moment by moment choice. To sow to the flesh or to sow to the Spirit. Paul tells us bluntly in verse 16, Read it with me, everybody. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, there you have it. There you have it. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill what the flesh is prompting you to do. Now, another version puts it, let your conduct be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And another way of putting it is live your whole life in the spirit. All right. This is This is what separates Christianity from every other religion, though Christianity is not a religion. But since it's always compared to one, let me be clear. This shows us that God gave a supernatural power to the believer in Jesus Christ to live a life we could never have lived without that power. Every other religion says, you've got to do it. Christianity says, let me do it through you. All right, very important. Now, so the remedy for walking in the flesh is to walk in the power of God's spirit. God has put one answer for the flesh. Kill it. Everybody say kill it. Yeah, Yeah, kill that flesh. God has one answer for the flesh man, that old man that, that, that we inherited from Adam, and that is it must be crucified. All right, we're not to debate with our flesh. We're not to coddle it. We're not to appease it. We're not to make a truce with it. Well, okay, most everything else in my life is okay. So I'll just make a truce with with this one area that I just can't seem to get under control. No, no, never make a truce with the flesh. The minute you do, you suffer defeat. Crucify the flesh, kill it dead. God gave you the power living inside of you. The Holy Spirit is the only way you will ever crucify the flesh. The flesh is to be killed, crucified by the indwelling Spirit of God. Now let's look at what uh, Paul said in Romans about this very same thing because Pauline doctrine or teaching is the same throughout the New Testament. So here you go. Read it with me. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, let me clarify again. God is, when, when we say flesh, we don't mean your body. Your body is good. God made the body. And what did he say when he made man? He said, it is good. So God, the, the, the human body, David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he wasn't on an ego trip. He was just saying the human body is, And he didn't know what we know now about atoms and cells and the incredible machinery that makes up the human body. He just knew by revelation. The body is an amazing invention. We're not talking about the body. The flesh is that fallen part of you that gravitates to sin. It is what we inherited from Adam where we naturally, easily, by nature, sin. No one has to teach us to sin. We know it all by ourselves, okay? So that's what he's talking about, the deeds of the body, the sinful deeds of the body that he's going to list for us in just a minute. So if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many, read this with me, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. How many of you are led by the Spirit? Amen. How many of you have the Spirit of God in you? all right, because of Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, I'm led sometimes. Other times I get in the flesh. We all do, okay? But the bottom line is this. Either walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. It's one or the other each and every day. That's why you've got to start your day with the word because it sets the direction of your mind and your spirit for the rest of the day. Have you noticed that if you don't do it, you're playing catch up the rest of the day, trying to catch up to the Lord. If you run out the door, having watched a little bit of Good Morning America, which is the worst thing you could do. Try Good Morning Jesus and forget Good Morning America. Seriously. Get with God. Now, the potential for holy living is now ours because of the cleansing power of the blood of Christ and the permanent residing or residency of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Victorious Christian living all boils down to a matter of obedience, have you noticed that? Of yielding to the Holy Spirit, of making ourselves available to Him, moment by moment, situation by situation, decision by decision. Victorious Christian living is a matter of, right when you got that choice, you're tempted to go flesh, and you know, you can also go spirit. You've got a decision to make and you can just stop and breathe deep and say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I yield to you right now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get angry. I'm not gonna lust. I'm not gonna be full of fear. I'm not gonna feed that habit, but I'm gonna walk in the spirit. I'm, I make the decision right here. And as soon as you say that, you say, Spirit of God, I yield to you. He strengthens you. He's there. He's right there. And you will find that he takes over when you just get out of the way. And we can't emphasize enough, oh church, please hear me on this. A daily devotional time spent with him and the word and prayer is essential if you're gonna walk in the spirit. Let me put it another way, without this daily habit, walking in the spirit is highly unlikely. If you don't develop a daily time with God, I'm gonna tell you, you're probably not gonna walk in the spirit. You're gonna hit and miss. You're gonna be in and out, good and bad, on and off, hot and cold, if you don't develop a daily time with God. What did Jesus say in John 15? I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides occasionally in me. No, he who abides in me. What does it say? He who abides in me will bring forth fruit. He who abides in me. Well, that doesn't take any work. Look at any branch and go up and ask that branch, are you having to work to stay plugged into the trunk of this tree? No, I'm just hanging. (laughs) And as long as I just hang and and stay plugged in, the, the, the fruit that flows through that trunk flows through me. Whatever the trunk has, I get. If I just abide in that trunk or in that vine, abide in me, and let my words abide in you, and you will ask whatever you want, and it shall be done for you. So so this Christian life, church, is not a matter of us do, 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 perform, perform, perform. It's a matter of you get up, and you say, Lord, I'm here to connect with you today so that I can abide in the vine all day long, and when I have decisions between flesh and spirit, I am going to be obedient to the spirit of God and yield to his promptings and walk in the spirit. And when I make that decision, he's right there. He's right there to strengthen you. It's not complicated. It is not a complex philosophy of life. Jesus made it simple so the simplest among us can understand it. We don't forget to feed our bodies, do we? A lot of us love that verse, buffet your body. I buffet my body. Paul said that. He meant buffet, but a lot of Christians take it otherwise. Look at the restaurants after church on Sunday. It's church folk. And they are buffeting their body at the buffet. We know to eat. And we know to drink water. We know to drink so that we will not die of thirst. We must have those two things to live. But guess what? Believe me when I tell you it's the same with your daily intake of Scripture and time spent with God. Now, you may not believe that. But if you don't spend time with God regularly, the leaf of your spiritual life is gonna wilt and dry up and turn brown. You'll still be saved. But you're limping. You're weak. You're anemic. You're losing battles. You're not having victory. Because you're only as strong as your last time with God. Didn't Jesus say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God? Didn't he say that? Let me ask you, did he mean it? Do you believe that? Then we can't get away from him, can we? We cannot go without spending time with God in the word and in prayer if we're gonna be strong. What I love about the scriptures, Luke 180 and Luke 240, it says, John the Baptist grew mighty in his spirit, And Jesus grew mighty in his spirit, man. That's how they grew up. They were Herculean on the inside. I don't know about you, but I do know that I enjoy life when I'm strong in my inner man. Okay, we have to do this, church, if we're going to be successful, victorious, and influential for Jesus. And if you're going to bear fruit, abide in the vine every day. Get in that vine and pull from the life that is flowing through it. Now the word for walk, when he says walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh is peripateo. That doesn't matter to you, that's the Greek word. But I, I just wanted you to see it because it's very meaningful. It includes, the, it includes the whole round of our human activities. Peripateo, it really means as you walk about in all of your life, as you are walking through all of life in every realm of life, walk around full of the Spirit. It refers to our outward life, which people all around us can see. It is everywhere we go and everything we do, walk in the Spirit at all times, in all places, and in all circumstances. Walk in the Spirit. Everywhere, walk around, walk about in the Spirit. Now the word walk also insinuates progress. If I'm walking, I'm going somewhere. If I'm walking, I'm getting somewhere. We walk one step at a time. Our progress might not be fast, but it should be steady. We should, every one of us in here who are safe, we should be growing. If you're not growing, something's wrong. If you have a child, he hits four or five years old and he quits growing. You go to the doctor, say, what's wrong? Why isn't he growing or she growing? Is it any different spiritually? No, he says, walk in the spirit, stay abiding in the vine because you ought to be progressing, not necessarily at lightning speed, but steadily we ought to be growing. You ought to be more like Jesus today than you were a year ago. We might stumble and fall, but we should repent if that happens, stand back up and keep moving backward. I'm sorry, I read it wrong. Forward. Right? So if you have fallen and stumbled, don't get a violin and go home and stay out of church and get out of prayer and say boo hoo. Forgive yourself. Let God forgive you and get back in the race and get back in quickly. Quit having a pity party. I won't come. God doesn't show up at pity parties either. Have you ever noticed that? We invite other people who are having pity parties and we think the Lord's going to sit there and cry with us, and there's nobody there but us pity party people walking in the flesh. Now, as the, as to the flesh lusting against the spirit, so that the two are at war with each other, I want you to consider for a minute that in scripture we find that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are continuously found to be paired off against the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is really intriguing to me, watch this. First, God the Father and the world are diametrically opposed to each other. Do you realize that? Now, let me be clear about something. When I say the world, I don't mean the beautiful creation, the world that I love. I love God's creation. I don't worship it, but I'm very thankful for it. I love all the creatures, the birds, the critters, the creeping, crawling things, the trees, the stars. The I love what God made. I am amazed at what God made. But when we say the world, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the world system behind which is the devil. The world system that is guided by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We're talking about a, a wicked world system that is fueled by the enemy of our soul. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the world. Now, John went so far as to tell us If any man love what, everybody? If any man love that wicked, flesh-driven system, the love of the Father is not in him. There's no way you can be saved and love this flesh-driven, wicked, godless, Christ-rejecting world system. No way, it vexes me every day. I understand what it says about Lot. Lot's soul was vexed daily by the filthy manner of life of the men of Sodom. Do you know that it said that? We got a case in the no nods tonight. Let's try this. Now look what it says. For all that is in the world, now there's a little ellipsis there, but I can fill it in. All that is in the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, which means I don't need God, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Now, James was even stronger on this point. Watch this. He says, "You." And he's talking to church people. You adulterers and adulteresses, Don't you know that friendship with that wicked world system makes you an enemy of God? Woo, James, punch, punch. Now, I want that to sink in for a minute. John said, don't love that world, that wicked world system. Don't love it. If you love it, you're not the friend of God, or you're not, don't have the love of God in you, but here James says, you adulterers and adulteresses, he's talking about people who knew the Lord, but they were committing spiritual adultery by loving the world more than Christ. He says, don't you know friendship with this world makes you the enemy of God? And what does that tell us about God? God and the world are at odds. God and that wicked world system that is fueled by the devil are at odds. Do you see that? Okay, good. Now. I say it again. Look what he says. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So catch this church, the father and the world are totally opposed to each other. You love the father. You're not going to love that world system. If you love that world system, you really can't walk with the father in the same way. Jesus, the son of God is the special adversary of the devil. Throughout the entire Old Testament, we find Satan constantly trying to prevent the birth of Christ through genocide of the Jewish race. Many times in the Old Testament, the devil tried to wipe out the whole Jewish race to stop the arrival of Messiah. Now, he did this by, also did this by corrupting the Hebrew people and the Davidic lineage that it almost needed to be destroyed. It got yay close several times in the Old Testament where the Hebrew race would have been wiped out and therefore Messiah, the bruiser of Satan's head would never have arrived. God had predicted this adversarial relationship between Christ and the devil in Genesis 3.15. And I consider Genesis 3.15, the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. He says to the devil, when he is judging Adam and Eve, he appears also to the devil and pronounces judgment on him. And part of it was this, I'm gonna put enmity between you and the woman, he said to Satan. And between your seed and her seed, he will bruise your head. That means a death blow. And you will bruise his heel, which Satan did to Jesus on the cross when the nail went through it. God is telling the devil, someone's coming down the line. And when he's born, when he arrives, he's gonna deal a death blow to you and you're gonna end up bruising his heel. Even in the New Testament, Satan tried to have the baby Jesus murdered at Nazareth through the wicked edict of Herod. What was the devil after using old Herod? He was out to stop Jesus from growing up. He was trying to kill the Messiah before he had a chance to grow and get anointed and go out and do his ministry. And so he does with you and I. Satan tries to take you out. I call it the devil's last stand. You show me somebody that comes to Jesus and you watch. It won't be long before there is a major attack against that person. And what are they trying to do? What's the devil trying to do? He's trying to take them out before they have a chance to grow. He wants to take them out and stop them before they mature and become a danger to his kingdom. Same devil. Now, John reveals that the sole purpose of the Son of God was, read it with me now, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. So God is in conflict with the world, Jesus in conflict with the the devil. But guess what, along the same line, the Holy Spirit is always revealed as the special adversary of our flesh. We see this fact as far back as the flood. God said in the flood, quote, and what what a word this was, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive. What does he say the spirit of God's doing? Striving with who? Man, for he is also what? So there you have the spirit striving with flesh all the way back in the antediluvian world before the flood ever came and wiped out the planet.
0: Are there things in your life that you know you shouldn't do, but continue to do regardless? Are there burdens dragging you down that you don't know how to get rid of? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff explained that it's only Jesus who can save you from yourself. No amount of hard work or discipline will ever stop your desire to dwell in what hurts you. Every day is a battle against yourself. Give all of that struggle to God and let Him save you. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. Have you ever worked hard on getting past your battles only to continually face the same struggles? Has it ever felt like a bottomless pit with no one to pull you out? Next time, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that God will always be there for you in your toughest battles. Even if you're a Christian, you will still face trials, but He will never leave you. We are put into tough situations to be tested, but you can put your faith in God and be set free. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.